Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Coach Elizabeth. When I started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. So now I'm here to answer all your questions about running and running adjacent topics to help you become a better, smarter, more knowledgeable runner. Whether you're brand new or you've been doing this for a while, there's always more we can learn about running. And now you can train with Running Explained wherever you go. Check out the new Run Club by Running Explained app. The Run Club by Running Explained gives you the freedom to build your own training schedule using Running Explained training plans, including training for races, building your base, post-race recovery, running for fitness, and more, and you can swap between plans as needed. Then layer on a running-specific strength training program that matches your goals and includes plyo, core, and mobility. Plus, you have instant access to a variety of resources at your fingertips, including training guides, pacing resources, Run Fueling 101, and more. Join the Run Club Plus for a monthly live group coaching call led by me, Coach Elizabeth, plus in-app chat support and other fun inclusions. Start your three-day free trial now at runningexplained.co slash therunclub or by visiting the link in the show notes. And now let's get started. My guest this week is sports dietitian Alex Larson, and we are serving up, <laughs> come on, I couldn't resist, actual actionable tips and guidance for how to fuel yourself as the incredibly busy person who also is an endurance runner in a way that fits in with your life and all the other things you do to support your athletic goals. One of the most common things I hear about fueling for us, right? Runners, endurance athletes who are also regular people range from It just feels like a lot of information that I don't really know where to start from, right? Information overload. I don't even know how to get started. All the way over to, I have all this information and I just don't have time to implement any of it. So we are talking today. Alex is giving us so much good, actual, simplified, legitimate, real advice for us as the busy, regular people, endurance runners, to support fueling in your busy day for your running goals. Alex, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. So before we dive into our topic today, Alex, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us, how did you become a runner? Yeah, so I'm Alex Larson, uh, and I started really in the whole, I guess, 
endurance sport era, um, right as I was transitioning into my career as a registered dietitian. I was um, in college and I had broken my foot in a horseback riding accident. So as a kid, that was like my life was riding and showing horses. And then um, when I broke my foot, I wasn't able to really do much of anything. Uh, Actually, the doctor told me that I would never run ever in the future. And I was like, oh, well, don't tell me that. Like challenge accepted. But while I was healing, um, I started swimming and I really fell in love with I'm doing that as a way of fitness. And then when I graduated college, I knew I needed some sort of goal in mind. So I signed up for like a local sprint triathlon, which of course running is a part of that. Um, And so I doggy paddled my way through the swim. I used a very inexpensive uh, hybrid bike. And then I jogged my way through the run because my legs just felt like jello after coming off the bike. And then I was hooked ever since that point to doing triathlons. And so I had a pretty busy triathlon career for quite a few years as I was starting out my career as a dietitian. And then um, 20, let's see, 17 was when I started having kids. And so triathlon kind of got put on the back burner because it's very time consuming to train for three sports. And so running has kind of just been something that I like to do for fun, but also I like to sign up for like some half marathons. I live very close to Duluth, Minnesota, which is home to grandma's marathon. And so I like to do their half marathon, uh, when I'm not pregnant or just had a baby. And so hoping to do that this year, um, and just progressively get better at running. I've it's always been kind of my, uh, weak point of the triathlon. And so, you know, as I'm busy as a mother, I want to definitely continue learning, how I can become a stronger runner. And so it's just been quite the journey over the years, like navigating motherhood and this busy lifestyle, but also being really active and enjoying a sport that's just for myself. Well, I can think of no better segue into (laughs) our topic today, which is how the heck to demystify fueling yourself as a really busy endurance athlete. And obviously you have not only the professional experience being a registered dietitian who works with endurance athletes, but you're like, hi, it's also me. Like I am a super busy endurance athlete who needs to figure out how to fuel herself. Um, So tell us a bit about uh, why this is what you focus on as a dietitian. Yeah, it was back in 2014 when I uh, trained for and completed Ironman Wisconsin. So huge, massive event all day long out there on the race course. And I can vividly remember crossing the finish line. It was dark out. It had been a very long day. And just thinking, oh my gosh, if I didn't know what I was doing with my nutrition, I don't think the day would have gone very well. I would not probably have made it to the finish line. And so that was really where it kind of stuck in. I was like, I think I need to help other people because that second half of the marathon of an Ironman, it's like a war zone. There is all sorts of (laughs) like people crying on the sidelines, like cramping, GI issues. Like it's, it's brutal, like just to witness people struggling. And so that's where I kind of had this thought of like, oh, I think I think I need to help my people. I think I need to help them simplify and navigate this fueling for endurance events because um, 
it really makes a huge difference. It can make and break your race, um, especially with those longer races. And so that's where it all kind of got started. And then in 2018, I started Alex Larson Nutrition and just creating a safe space for people to come and talk about food, talk about their struggles with it, um, get them comfortable with eating, making their food choices, no longer second guessing things and just simplifying it and having it work for their specific lifestyle instead of them trying to follow, follow some sort of cookie cutter diet. Like that's where I really wanted to create something that got them to the point where they felt very confident and comfortable and had clarity in their food choices and eating behaviors. And that supported that active lifestyle. Now, anybody who's listened to the show before knows that we've talked about fueling and nutrition and food and all these things a lot, but it is always worth revisiting and exploring. And specifically today, what we're going to talk about is really actionable ways that you, the busy, assumingly (laughs) non-professional endurance athlete, can, like Alex said, simplify the things that you need to know and do. Because one of the biggest issues. And I know because I struggled with this too, and I see this all the time in the endurance space is how it feels like the fueling, like we talk about fuel yourself like an athlete, like, you know, fuel yourself like the, like the endurance athlete that you are, it can feel very overwhelming and confusing. And a lot of, a lot of athletes just kind of like shut down. They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't have time to, the, to do this. Like, I'm so busy. I don't have time to figure this out. And then, and then they just kind of don't. In the athletic population that you work with, what are the biggest challenges you see people come in with when it comes to how to figure out fueling and the rest of their life all put together? Yeah, I think there's a couple main themes that I usually see. One is just the complexity of all of the mixed information that people hear on the internet or on social media. It gets really confusing. And, you know, there's so much wonderful information out there, like in podcasts and in books and in, uh, you know, just publications online. You, know, you can do all of this reading and listening, but it's one thing to take all of that information and learn it, but it's another to actually apply it to your life and make it work for you. And that's really where um, I help come in and I just help navigate them through all that information and make it work for their lifestyle. And so I think that's like the biggest struggle right there. And then the other thing is I feel like is that uncertainty where um, it just feels very overly complicated. And at that point, it's like, you know, they just say, oh, screw it. I'm I, I can't deal with this because I have so many other things I'm trying to deal with. So helping navigate, simplifying it and making it in like small bits of tangible goals for them so that they start connecting those dots of how their food choices, how their eating behaviors connects to the nutrition that they're providing their body, which connects to how they're feeling in their day-to-day training, how they feel on race day, um, how their body is responding in terms of like, um, you know, body composition where, you know, if they're looking to get a little leaner, can we get some excess body fat off, keep the muscle and if not, like even build some more lean muscle on them. Um, like those are the types of things is like, I, it's all about connecting those dots and actually truly having that understanding and clarity. Obviously everybody is different and there's going to be different recommendations for different people, but are there patterns of what you hear athletes come to you and say, I read this and this and this, and these, these three concepts are like 
diametrically or I trimetrically imposed. And I don't know what to pay attention to. Like, are there specific um, things that keep coming up? And you're like, somebody said, I read this, but this, and I don't know where to believe when it comes to endurance nutrition specifically. Yeah. I mean, obviously we hear about like, oh, should I eat carbs or should I eat keto? You know, like I think that's a really, or like intermittent fasting, there's some like really popular fad diets where they try it and um, they notice that their athletic performance and energy levels just take a big nosedive. So that's something that they're like, oh, people rave about this. But when I try it, I feel absolutely like trash, you know, so they're like very confused about that. Um, So just have it helping them say like, no, carbs are really, you know, the best option. Like the, the keto, you know, low carb route is definitely in the research, not superior to fueling with carbs. And so what's going to work best for their lifestyle in that aspect. Um, and I would say, I'm trying to think of what else would be a common one that I hear. I mean, for me, there's definitely common things that I see where I see a lot of athletes just during the day, they're not prioritizing nutrition and therefore they're kind of under fueling. And then they come home in the evening and they just like devour everything in their kitchen because they're so overly hungry. That's probably the biggest theme that I see from people um, is that they're trying to lose some weight. So they're trying to restrict. And then they just go through this epic cycle of like under fueling, then binging in the evenings, or they go a couple days of eating really well. And then all of a sudden they like lose all willpower and they, you know, don't have any control over their food choices and they're overeating or they're just not making the best optimal choices. So for me, it's not necessarily their knowledge base that they're uncertain of. I think they're just so overly confused that they don't even know how to pinpoint what's right and what's wrong. Do you tend to find that, I mean, and I, I, I tend to see this, so I'd assume you do as well. You tend to find that people you work with have a very black and white view of, of fueling nutrition, like good, bad, forbidden, allowed, that sort of thing? Yeah, I do, would definitely say um, they have this kind of like best practice or like worst practice and there's nothing in the middle. And I always tell them, hey, there's no such thing as failure when it comes to nutrition. There's all, like anything that's not working for you is considered feedback in my mind of like what's not working. Let's find a different route of to get your body the nutrition that it needs in a way that works for you. Your maybe your food preferences, maybe it's your schedule, maybe it's um, you know your limitation in cooking skills. You know, let's find what's going to work for you. It's um, I think of it as like let's focus on what's functional over optimal, right? Like I love that kind of concept of like yes, of course there's going to be optimal options, but they're not might not work realistically for you. So let's. Let's first and foremost find what's functional. And a good example, like just <laughs> for myself would be, you know, I've got three kids now, one's a baby. And so my mornings are like chaos. And so it's like, of course, it would be great if I could put together like a nice balanced breakfast meal. But like I can, like, it's a win for me just to get everyone fed and fed is best, right? So I'm like... <laughs> let me take three minutes to make my protein shake. That's going to be like my first breakfast. And then when I come home after drop off, then I'll make this the rest of the, you know, balanced meal. You know what I mean? Like let's focus on what's functional for that morning routine. And is it optimal for me to have a protein shake every morning? Probably not. Like it would be better if I, you know, had actual food like right away in the morning, but I have that a little bit later after, you know, when it's doable for me. So that's where I feel like 
if you can make it work with your schedule and your lifestyle, um, it's definitely going to set you up for success. And like I said, once people start feeling successful, that momentum is really where we can start to see things uh, improving. Something I want to highlight in what you said before about um, people not, aren't necessarily prioritizing their nutrition throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I know you and I were chatting about before this episode started was um, that sometimes when it comes to, like you said, you know, you can read all these things, like, oh, I've, I've read all about this, or I've listened to the podcast on this, and then comes to applying the information, um, it can feel like... Um, if it's not automatically intuitive and super easy and something they just already know how to do, like they just kind of people get frustrated or or kind of confused or like this is taking way too much time and they stop prioritizing it. And I think it's important to acknowledge that learning how to fuel yourself correctly is probably going to take a little bit of time and effort to figure out. Yeah, I have. That makes me think of a I've had a pretty high level athlete. She's more of a, um, endurance, like an ultra runner slash, like, um, she would do like uh, mountain climbing, like high elevation, um, treks and whatnot. And she's in her mid thirties, very high level athlete. And she goes, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know how to just naturally fuel myself. And I'm like, you don't have to be embarrassed. Like the sports nutrition stuff, it's tricky. Like you do, it is something you have to learn. Like, yes, we have been eating our entire lives, but that doesn't mean that we know how to fuel ourselves well as a runner. And you also have to think of nutrition as an evolution, right? Like when I was doing Ironman Wisconsin in 2014, what we knew about uh, sports nutrition back then, um, it's come so far just in the 10 years since that. I mean, we have so many more fuel options now that are way easier to get in the necessary carb per hour rate during your long distance uh, events. So that's where you have to think of it as an evolution. It's like what we know now about nutrition and it's getting really exciting in terms of availability of products out there. And so, um, yes, it's all, we're always going to be learning new things. You have to think of it as like, I don't, we don't want to strive for perfection. We just want to strive to be progressively get better and better and better as we continue our running career. I can identify with your athlete. <laughs> I know when I was working um, with a dietitian, you know, and going through the process of like, yeah, learning how to feed myself as a, somebody in her 30s. <laughs> like I remember putting my lunches together and being like, oh, so I should feed myself like a large toddler. Like, here's your sandwich, right? And here's your side of color and here's your this and here's your that. And so that stuck with me be like, yeah, I, I, but like, it works for me to think like, what would you feed a toddler? Right. But like, mm-hmm. just more. Yeah. You like you simplify know? You say, Hey, a meal, I need to have like my lean protein. I need to have my complex carbs. Like what's my color? What's my fruit and vegetable? Oh, I'm going to run in an hour. Maybe I'm going to skip, you know, the broccoli right now. Cause that's not going to sit very well before my run. And like, just kind of checking those boxes can be really helpful to just make sure you feel really good about the the meal that you're making that you know you're going to be in the ballpark of providing the nutrition that your body needs you know that it's going to taste good you're going to feel satisfied afterwards like you're checking those boxes Um, but it is something that you have to learn but also you have to think of it as a behavior and habit that you need to develop too it's that kind of consistency piece that i think where people really struggle it's one thing to do something for a week it's another thing to be able to do it for months and years um a really good example would be a run client i had um, a few years ago who 
he was really not great about getting like a post-workout fueling in after his runs. Um, he would just get distracted and not have enough time to like put together like a meal or snack. And so instead of just focusing, like having him be like consistently failing at that, I said, okay, we just need to try something different. And so what worked for him in the long run was he prepped his post-workout fuel while he was eating his pre-workout fuel. And so that way it was already prepped. It was already ready to go for him in the fridge. So as soon as he got done with that run, he would grab that, maybe head to the bathroom to take, take a shower or like start his work day. You know, whatever it was, he just grabbed that and consumed it instead of him trying to like prep it afterwards when he was already starting to focus on the next thing for his day. So that's what worked for him to just consistently get that pre-workout fuel and start that recovery process for him. Something I know is confusing for a lot of runners who are in that firmly in the, this is my hobby, right? I'm a recreational runner. It's that they look at the general recommendations for fueling as an endurance athlete, you know, pre-run snack, post-workout refueling, you know, meals, snacks, you know, how to prep for your long run with a carb heavy dinner, those types of things and think to themselves, well, I don't feel like I'm running enough or doing enough in my training week to like qualify for that. But I also see runners who are running like 35 miles a week tell me that they don't think that these basic recommendations apply to them. Or, you know, where is your like intentional, like, hey, if you're doing this, you need to start paying attention to these types of things. Like, where is that training volume threshold for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I mean, if you're just working out a few times a week and your workouts are, you know, an hour or less, it might not be as high of a priority for you to have like that, um, you know, pre-workout, during workout, post-workout kind of fueling. That being said, you also have to think of other factors of like, um, you know, if you're getting hungry and you're going to run in a half an hour, <laughs> you're not going to have the greatest energy levels for that, you know, half an hour, 45 minute workout. So yes, have like a little applesauce pouch or a couple graham crackers or something just to fuel yourself. So you have a really good run, right? Because if you're going to continue to have workouts where you feel low energy, they feel like a struggle fest, you're not feeling great afterwards. Like you're not going to want to continue to do that activity. Like it's a drag. It's it's not very motivating when you don't feel good. So I think there's a fine balance um, in terms of like quantity of nutrition too. Like you don't need to be fueling with massive amounts of carb before, you know, a 30 minute run, but even just a little snack 15 minutes beforehand can help you feel really great. Even then those last like five, 10 minutes of that run and leave you not feeling completely um, exhausted and tired the rest of the day either. So just those little habits can be really helpful because maybe down the road you do train for a marathon or you do train for a 50k run and you already have those habits kind of built and you just need to adjust the quantity of what you're fueling with too. So it's hard for me to think of like a specific like mileage threshold. It's kind of just a like as your training increases, you're going to start adjusting your nutrition accordingly. And I think that highlights one of the trickiest things about all this is that, you know, there are no black and white. This applies to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that I know is one of the, like we've been talking about, kind of the keystones of where people really get tripped up in this nutrition um, for athletes is that they're like, oh, I don't know exactly what to do. Plus, I'm super busy, so screw it. 
Yeah. I think there's things that you can, I think it's important to listen to your body, right? Like things like for me in the evening after I have dinner, I'm like, oh, I'm like super hungry. Like, and then I reflect on my day and I'm like, oh, you know what? I really didn't have that great of a lunch. Like, Alex, you preach this every single day and you kind of messed up. Like, I'm still human, but it's like just those little learnings of like, oh yeah, this is probably why I'm a little more hungry in the evening or, um, oh, I did have my usual breakfast, lunch, dinner, but I'm still hungry in the evening, but I am working out more. Maybe I need to make some adjustments to my day. Maybe I do need to have that mid afternoon snack just to hold me over till dinner. Or, um, maybe I do need to have, because I'm doing longer runs. Maybe I do need to make sure I'm having a little bit more before that run. So I feel better. Um, the rest of the day. Like those are the things where your body does send you signals and it's important to think through like, what kind of, what kind of adjustments can I make to my nutrition? Or maybe you're struggling with um, recovery from your workouts. Maybe you're, you know, getting in a little bit more volume during the week and you're having to take a little extra rest days. Nutrition can play a huge role in that of like, oh, am I getting enough protein after my, you know, throughout the rest of the day after my morning workout? Am I getting enough carbs to reload those glycogen levels? Like start thinking about those signals too, in terms of, am I needing a nap after my long run? Oh, that might be something I need to look at in adjusting nutrition in advance so that I have great energy the rest of the day. And I'm not feeling like I have to nap for two hours to, you know, function throughout my evening. What you mentioned before about how we, you know, people who are following certain diets that can be restrictive and then they're like, quote unquote, good for a couple of days. And then, you know, we kind of crash or even a couple of weeks, couple of months. I feel like this is also something that if people looked at the patterns with their training, they might see this too, where it's like people are getting away with training in a less optimally fueled state for a little while. And then we need a couple extra rest days or we have a, you know, something, or we bomb a workout or something happens where it's like, okay, we need to kind of like take some downtime and then reset. Um, sometimes I, I have noticed a correlation in my training history that that can happen when my nutrition is not optimal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that in, um, you know, doing some sort of journal, you know, just saying like, how did my workout feel? What's my energy levels the rest of the day? What's my hunger levels been like looking at that, like, uh, like rating it on a scale of one to five, like five being I'm starving all the time. One being I'm not hungry at all. You know, what's my workout on a scale of one to five? What's my energy levels? You know, those can tell a pretty good story and give you kind of an indicator of what adjustments do I need to make to my nutrition. Um, and over time, as you start to like notice those patterns, you can kind of plan accordingly too. That's really helpful. I, I find if you just kind of keep some sort of easy, simple journal as well. So let's talk about some real world examples of things that you've seen. And cause I, this is always helpful. I think for people to think, Oh my God, that's me. <laughs> um, you mentioned that one of the most common issues that you see is runners not eating enough throughout the day and then, or endurance athletes. And then at night, it's like open the fridge, insert entire contents of fridge into face. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I, I guarantee that all of those athletes who are coming to you have base. It's probably said at one point, but I think I'm eating enough throughout the day. I don't know why I'm so hungry at night. And then they tell you what they've eaten and you're like, that's not enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where I mean, you have to think like when I said, you know, a meal, lean protein, uh, complex carbs, some color in there, um, some healthy fats. So like, yes, 
your sandwich with two pieces of bread and some meat and cheese and some lettuce does technically qualify, but it's just not enough. So um, thinking of like, for example, um, you know, like a let me grab my calculator here. So as a dietitian, I always have a calculator. So <laughs> like, let's say just 2000 calories a day. Okay. Um, divide that by four. So three meals a day plus snacks, like that's 500 calories per meal. And then another 500 for collectively for your snacks. I mean, that's a pretty substantial, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, especially lunch. I find that people just you know, lunch is, you know, middle of the day. It's sometimes hard to take time to actually have a full meal, like consistently getting, you know, larger meals earlier on the day really does truly like set you up for success in the evening where you're not going to be, um, grabbing sweets. You know, that's something I'm like, Oh, I have a really big sweet tooth in the evening. And I'm like, mm, yeah, we're probably going to change that. You know, where like, if you're getting five, you know, I would say typically I see a lot of athletes where they're getting like 250, 350 calories in the morning. It's like if we can just add a little bit more to it and that's where they're like, I feel like I'm eating so much food. And I'm like, you are eating more food, but you're also noticing that you're not grabbing, you know, a bowl of ice cream in the evening or some cookies or like some of those more discretionary calories. Not that those are bad foods, but they're just not going to help you in your goals as a runner when you're having all of that food in the evening, whereas we want to have a really nice consistent supply throughout the day. So that's something where just teaching them, okay, what should you be eating in terms of volume of food during the day? And they're like, oh yeah, I was, I was not eating enough. Like it seems like to them, um, cause maybe they hang out with people that aren't runners, right? Like yeah, of course, like non-runners aren't going to have that massive appetite and going to need as many calories, but you are exceptional. You're extraordinary. You need to have more fuel during the day. And sometimes it's unintentional. They just have no clue how much they should be eating. And other times it is intentional. They have this great fear of weight gain. And that's another struggle is we need to kind of work through that mindset of no, this eating better during the day when you're less tired is going to be much better than trying to fight your willpower and your hungry hunger in the evening where you are going to already be tired and you're not going to make uh, as good of food choices. It's tough. It is tough. I think it's I want so to acknowledge tough. that it's, it's, it, it's something where there is no such thing as like perfect. Right? It does not exist. All, Please do not yeah. strive for perfection because that you're striving for something that doesn't, even exists. No one eats perfectly. What does that even mean? Like one person's perfect is another person's awful. Like it's all, Oh yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. I mean, to me, an ideal runner diet would be something where like they're meeting their needs. They're getting enough protein. They're getting, uh, enough carbohydrates and especially timing it appropriately around their training. Uh, it's something that they enjoy eating. They don't feel like they're having to starve themselves, like it's functional for their schedule, their lifestyle. They're not having to cook multiple meals because they might have picky kids at home. And so, yeah, they're going to make a meal that everyone in the family will eat and they still feel comfortable and good about the food choices that they're making at dinner. Like that to me is what's ideal, is like something that is realistic for eating like a normal human, but also supports 
your lifestyle as an athlete. So I know you mentioned that lunch is typically a, a meal that falls by the wayside. And like, I, I work from home and I have all the tools <laughs> at my disposal in a fridge 50 feet away. And I still sometimes pick my head up at three and go, oh my God, I forgot to eat lunch. <laughs> yeah. Same. I've had that happen to me. I'm like, oh no, I was, I was so productive and I like got yeah. so much work done, but now, uh, that afternoon run I was going to take is going to feel terrible because I did not have lunch. Exactly. Is there a meal? Is it lunch? Is it breakfast? Is it dinner that you find athletes struggle with more than the other meals? Um, breakfast is probably number one on my list there. Um, and breakfast is so magical. Like breakfast is my favorite meal ever. I could eat breakfast foods at all meals of the day. Like I just, I'm obsessed with pancakes. I make pancakes every week for my kids. I have my own recipe. Like I just love breakfast foods. So um, there's something special about breakfast, like especially if you can get a really good solid protein rich breakfast in the morning because it helps stabilize blood sugars. It helps regulate hunger. It helps with supporting recovery throughout the day, especially if you are someone that works out in the morning. Um, like there's so many good things about having a good breakfast in the morning. It just sets you up for success. If you know, like when people make the effort to have a good breakfast in the morning, it just helps start that trend of, yeah, I'm going to be more thoughtful about my food the rest of the day. And it, it does really good things. So, um, you know, coffee and a protein bar, I'm not going to cut it for a breakfast. If you can have, um, like some overnight oats or maybe making like batch preparing like some um, breakfast burritos with like some eggs and a little bit of like ham or sauteed veggies in there and um, you know put a little salsa on it in the morning for some little pizzazz you know like those are the types of things that you can do to put together really simple easy breakfast options and get you in that habit of starting off your day right Um, and then lunch is definitely secondary there in terms of um, you know we get really busy um, bringing leftovers from the night before from dinner is something that I like to do a lot. Um, for me with a, like three young kids, I like love Costco rotisserie chickens where I pretty much every single week I have, I pull all the meat off and then I use it in either dishes that I'm cooking with, or I'll just have it as like a side for like a dish that I make. But I'm like, oh, I know I'm still short on protein. So I'll add a little bit of extra rotisserie chicken on there. I'm like, okay, good. I got my pro, like I got enough protein at this meal. And so like those little convenience things can make a huge difference too. Like you don't have to make everything from scratch or meal prep your entire Sunday for the whole week. Like do what's realistic in like balancing that convenience food and other things that you would prepare. Back to breakfast, which I, you know, it, I know it can be it's a struggle best, for yeah. a lot. I love, I love breakfast. Um, it's so good, but let's be honest, 99% of the people listening are like pancakes. Like I make pancakes any day of the week, much less on weekends. <laughs> I am so busy, but here's the biggest issue, right? We have a lot of runners who wake up in the morning hopefully they're getting a little snack in right and then they're going and doing their run maybe they're lifting doing speed work whatever it is and then it's the mad dash to shower and start the day i i've seen in my practice as a coach that convincing people to take a little snack in before their morning run that's actually a pretty easy sell it's the oh and hey don't forget to have breakfast afterwards that tends to be the one that's like, oh, no, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then, you know, the day starts and then zoom off, or, off we are. Yeah. So uh, kind of depends on your morning routine, right? So if you're someone that commutes, I would definitely have something that you can maybe like 
drink on the go, whether it's a protein shake or a smoothie, um, and just getting in that habit can be really helpful. Or if you get to work and you have a little bit of downtime, you know, having like a Greek yogurt cup, maybe with some fruit, maybe with, um, like I said, that like tortilla breakfast burrito, you can prep those usually like make enough eggs and wrap them all up and have them, you know, put some saran wrap on them and keep it in your fridge and you just reheat it kind of thing. Um, some overnight oats that you just grab, you know, the mason jar from your fridge and you can eat that on the go. You know, there's lots of different options you can do, but you have to just be very intentional in practicing that over and over. And honestly, the biggest selling point about breakfast is once people start doing that, they notice a difference in their energy levels pretty, pretty significantly like right away. And they're like, Oh wow. I have noticed like X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, this is what breakfast is doing. And then they start prioritizing it a little more because they don't want to go back to the old way. Like, no, this is Elizabeth 2.0. We're not going back to the old Elizabeth. Like this is, this is Elizabeth that eats breakfast after her workouts. She feels great the rest of the day. Like we don't want to go back to the old ways. So like getting that little vested interest that way can be really helpful where I'm like, just humor me for a week. We're going to have breakfast after your workout every single day. We're going to be intentional. We're going to prep it in advance. So it's not like this mad dash of putting together a a breakfast meal while you're getting ready for work. Um, You know, those are the things that can be kind of helpful is like, I'm just going to give this go for one week and I'm going to see how I feel. And then you're like, oh yeah, I really do need to keep doing this because I like how I feel. Um, Another thing, if you work from home too, you know, get done with your run, you're getting a shower in, go for some things that are super simple and easy, like a couple pieces of toast, um, hard boiled egg or two. Um, what I mean, you can do a protein shake, you know, like those types of things, whatever it is that's functional for you and your lifestyle that gets you the nutrition you need is the most important thing over choosing the best options. And then save your pancakes for like for me, my routine is I do pancakes for dinner Friday night, and then I do pancakes already like in the fridge that I just reheat for Saturday morning long runs. Like that's what I do. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's, even when I'm not even running for the season, I'm like, I still do that. The other thing that I've I've personally noticed in my life is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. When the desire strikes you to meal prep, do it. Like, mm-hmm. unless I know that there are some people who are really good at their routines and they're like every Sunday from three to five, I do, you know, look, I, the, some people are that reg- regimented and I applaud you, but a lot of us have the best of intentions and then the implementation's a little bit wishy-washy. And I'm going to share what works for me is that when I'm in the mood to batch prepare things, like lean into that, <laughs> yes. do extra because then you have it right. Instead of thinking like, oh, I need to prepare this. You're like, aha, I've already prepared extra from last time when I was super inspired. And then this time that I was not, you know, couldn't fit into my schedule, I didn't make it happen. Um, so that works for me too. I think again, going back to the, what's functional versus what's optimal, um, you have to learn to work with like the, the waves that you get right when you get them and make the most out of them. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And also know that you don't have to meal prep every single meal of your entire week. You know what I mean? Like you can have things in your fridge that you can 
pull out really easy and put together a really balanced meal. My kids have this, their favorite dinner right now is called, we call it snack attack. I told them they had to pick a name for it. And so I basically take the ginormous cutting board and I just put a whole bunch of different foods on there. Like there's some cottage cheese and some like salami. And so that's like, I usually have like two or three options for protein. I'll have like some pickles and black olives because they love those. I'll have like some crackers. And so they get to just pick and choose like all sorts of different foods to put on their plate and they eat a ton of it. Like it's their best meal that they eat. And so you can do that too. Like you can go through your fridge and be like, okay, what do I have that leftover rotisserie chicken or like, um, I like, um, Kirkland like smoked salmon. So I can put that like on a bagel or something and have that for like breakfast or lunch, you know, like different things that you can just pull easy peasy. You don't necessarily have to cook. Um, or like batch cooking a bunch of uh, hard boiled eggs and having those like on hand for like a snack. So you have a carb and a protein at snack, like having those available to just grab is going to set you up for success much more than like feeling like you have to meal prep every single meal of the week or every single dinner of the week. I mean, they're called, you know, convenience or meals of convenience for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. That there are some really great, super convenient options out there. And I'll be honest with you, like if, if my, not a dietitian, but if somebody came to me and said, Hey, look, the only way that I'm going to make this happen is to buy a bunch of pre-prepared food and it works with what you're doing. Like I would assume that's no, obviously cost effective wise, it's probably not going to be an option for most people. But if somebody came to you and said that, and you're like, okay, is, yeah, if that's what's going to make it happen, let's roll with that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or like, Let's talk about portion size, right? Like if you're going to have like pizza night with your family, great, but let's not have pizza be the only thing that you're serving. Let's do like a bagged salad mix and so you have some color on the side of with your pizza or um, let's add a little bit of extra, like another protein side, like maybe some cottage cheese with your salad. You know what I mean? Like let's make it a meal instead of just one convenience item. Um, that's something that I've done often or like... Um, one of my favorite things to do is um, getting those seeds of change bags with the brown rice and quinoa. You get them at Costco or the grocery store. And it's microwavable rice. You, you can get buy even rice like that's in the frozen department that you microwave. Like one less thing for you to cook and prep, really. But you can just add it in as your complex carb and then have other things that you can put a little bit more time and effort into prepping. But one thing on your plate, at least, was something that was, you know, you hit the easy button on. Let's talk about dinner because dinner can set you up for what's going to happen the following day. <laughs> and I know for a lot of people, dinner is a family meal. Uh, you know, sometimes we have kid preferences or partner preferences involved in what we cook or what we eat. Um, how should athletes think about dinner, especially in what they know they have to do the following day athletically? Like does like, how do we consider dinner if like tomorrow I've got to run 12 miles or tomorrow I have a speed workout or tomorrow I have a race? Yeah. Um, so I would work with, you know, depending on who's the main like person that prepares dinner, whether it's yourself or maybe a spouse or a partner, or maybe it's just you. So you have to think through like, okay, what do I got going on tomorrow? Tomorrow I have my 16 mile long run part of my marathon training block. Um, I know that I need to be really heavy on the carbs, um, to help fuel that run tomorrow. I know that I don't want to have like a really high fat meal, like a burger or like really, um, like pepperoni pizza, you know, because that fat tends to, um, potentially cause some GI issues the next day. I know that I don't want to do like 
a lot of beans or like um, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli or Brussels sprouts or cabbage. You you really want to think through your choices there. So thinking through, okay, what meal were we thinking of preparing? Um, how can I make that work? Maybe, um, you know, I'll go easier on the, the, well, I guess in advance I would work with my spouse or whoever and say, Hey, we're going to have to have a higher carb meal here. Let's do this, but I'm just going to tweak it a little to support my needs, but you're not having to cook yourself a whole separate meal. Or, you know, if something's already planned, then I would maybe like have a carb rich snack, you know, a couple hours beforehand and then have a lighter of that dinner and maybe tweak things a little bit, um, just for myself. Um, so yeah, it kind of, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on the person. Everything's individual, individualized, but that would be how I would kind of think through like, okay, what are we having for dinner? What's the plan? Um, you know, does my kid have a basketball game and we're going to be eating concession stand food? Ooh, maybe I'm going to pack myself a little something so that, you know, those I'm not feeling tempted to have like nachos and hot dog the night before my long run kind of thing. So thinking through those, those as well and being a little proactive can go a long way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, everybody's schedule is super different. I know one of the things that you mentioned is the importance of nutrient timing, which mm-hmm. we've definitely talked about on the show before. And you mentioned, you know, eating throughout the day and not, you know, you know, backloading calories at night, not eating enough. But does dinner timing matter when it comes to how early you might eat dinner versus when you go to sleep? And I ask this as somebody who eats dinner at like, 5 30 but I'm also oh, in I need bed. dinner at 5 32 yeah. so but I'm also in dinner by I mean but I'm also in bed by like 8 30 right but I know that there are some people who eat dinner at like 5 30 or 6 and they're up until 10 or 11 at night yeah. um what like what do we think about about dinner early dinner late dinner how does that again I know we're going for functional but what are some general uh words of guidance on that yeah so Whenever, whatever time you eat dinner, I would, you know, if you're having an earlier dinner, right. Um, and then you're staying up till nine, nine 30 and you're getting a little hungry. I think it's appropriate to have a snack. I would, I would already kind of think through like, um, oh, I know I'm going to get a little hungry here in a few hours. I'm just going to have something light. I'm going to look for a little bit of protein. I'm going to look for some carbs going to help me fuel my morning workout the next day. Um, if you're someone that eats a later dinner, that's where it almost can become a little bit more problematic because oftentimes uh, when you go into like laying down and you have like a really full stomach, it can be uncomfortable and it can kind of impact the quality of sleep you have that evening. So the, I I'm pr- prefer doing a little bit earlier um, dinner just to allow a few hours for your stomach to fully digest things. So you go into sleep time not feeling <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, That being said, like if you had a really hard training block, um, a really good hack that a lot of um, athletes will do, and I often recommend this, is like, hey, you have dinner at 530. Let's have a protein shake before bedtime because liquid nutrition tends to digest a lot faster, so it's not going to sit 
for a long period of times, but we're really trying to hone in on recovery overnight. That can be a really nice tool to have that protein there overnight. Your body can use to recover those muscles. Um, so that's something too, that I will recommend often in the evenings. I know we already under, you know, went through the, it's really tricky to put a, a threshold on when endurance nutrition becomes like a thing you need to pay attention to. But I do know that one of the biggest things endurance athletes do struggle with is scaling nutrition when we go from a, you know, moderate training volume to a higher training volume, because I have found, and I'll, me personally, this is what I know this, that I've struggled with is that I find something that works for me and I'm like, sweet, this thing works for me. I'm going to do exactly this because it works for me based from now until the end of time. Um, <laughs> except when it comes to nutrition, right? Sometimes I actually do need to make changes. So I'll give you an example. My daily breakfast is uh, an oatmeal bowl with frozen blueberries and some like seeds and stuff and some protein powder, which is awesome. But in the middle of like marathon training or ultra marathon training, it's not enough. And I found that out the hard way. And I know I'm not alone in struggling to scale what I usually do to a higher training volume. So what is not like how to eat more, but like what are some signs that somebody should be paying attention to scaling their nutrition with their training volume? All right. So can I ask the question of you have that oatmeal bowl after like, a, do, you, do you work out in the morning? Is that like a post-workout breakfast? So if I work out in the morning, I will have a pre-workout snack. And then that is my post-run breakfast. And it's also what I eat like on days that I don't. On days that you don't. Out. And then yeah. what made you say, oh, this is not enough. Like what was happening? Were you just hungry like soon afterwards? Yeah. So I got to the point. So I, I think I figured this out last year training for Boston. I would have it in the morning and essentially it went from feeling like something where it was like, Oh, this feels like breakfast to like, Oh, this feels like a snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you do oatmeal with protein powder. So it's like, you're getting a good dose of protein there. And my guess is that just with that higher volume of running, you're just needing to up your carbs as well. So I would look at a couple things. I'd look at maybe how much you're fueling with around your, like before and during your workout. Um, you know, do we need to up that ante there? That could be an area. Or do we just need to add in some additional carbs post-workout? Because really you need like for endurance runners, like a four to one ratio of carbs to protein. So thinking like, okay, if you're getting 25 grams of protein, post-workout, like that's a hundred grams of carb, which is a good amount of fuel. That's like a bagel plus like, I mean, a bagel is like 55, 60. So then you need like another, you know, two slices of bread on top. Like if you're just looking at bread alone. So it's like with a cup of oatmeal, you'd have to add some brown sugar to it. Like we need to up the carbs um, to make sure that we're reloading those glycogen levels really efficiently after that run. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just increasing, like adding in some other things so that it feels more like a meal because you're just going to be more hungry. And that's something too, like when you're in those big training blocks, eating every three to four hours is probably the pretty standard routine. Like you don't want to go longer than that or you'll get overly hungry and crabby and we don't want that. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and I think it's a really good troubleshooting of what, so what I ended up doing was I added more oatmeal. Um, like I added more oats to the oatmeal and mm-hmm. then I would add uh, maple syrup. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, yeah. yeah. And something even too, uh, that we like to do before workouts um, to keep the fiber low is we'll do like a cream of rice or cream of wheat. Um, Cause you usually have to add quite a bit of like maple syrup or brown sugar to that. And that's a lot lower fiber than like oatmeal before a run. So it'll get just digested a little bit quicker. Um, and another thing um, is we'll add even like some, um, what's it called? Like hydration mixed stuff to it, like an unflavored hydrate. You know, it's just up finding ways to up the carbs in a really simple way. Um, so that it's not overly bulky for going into your run, but you're just getting a really high dose of carbs um, and usually feel like people feel like a million bucks on their run then, and then they finish it and they're not, um, completely famished. Something I've continually heard you say throughout this episode is add, 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 add. And I haven't heard you say like cut out the, I mean, except for like, please don't eat a bunch of raw broccoli before your long, then I've a long run. But like in general, the theme of this seems to be, all right, what do you have? What can we add to this to make it balanced or complete or enough? Because mm-hmm. um, I think so oftentimes with with food and nutrition, we oftentimes focus on taking away, right? Oh, what should I cut out? What should I take away? What should I not eat? But you are describing ways in which like, hey, should you add some more color? Hey, can you have pizza with a salad? Hey, can you add more protein or more carbs? Like that's a very, I don't know, it's kind of like a happy way of thinking about food. Yeah, this is why like endurance athletes are my people is because any like restrictive diet just like hurts my soul. So, I mean, it's all about enhancing. It's all about finding ways to add things so that like that will optimize your nutrition in a functional way. And so that way, when you do that, then you feel less likely to uh, choose the foods that might be suboptimal if that makes sense. So it's so easy to think like, oh, just cut out sugar and you'll lose some weight or just be in a calorie deficit and and you'll like get leaner. It's like, no, let's look at how we can just enhance your nutrition. Like, yeah, we can take out some of those discretionary calories, but let's replace it with things that are going to provide you with more optimal nutrition and help you feel your best. So that's where I like to view sports nutrition is like, let's look at the positive. Let's not try and restrict because that can be really harmful then too on your mindset of that kind of all or nothing mindset of like good and bad foods. It's like, no, let's just focus on finding the best, like the secret sauce for Elizabeth and how she's going to eat with her lifestyle and have you feel really good about that. Have you enjoy what you're eating? Have you um, feel confident in those food choices and know that you don't have to like cut out all of the cookies of your life, you know, you can still have an Oreo here and there. You can still have a a small portion of that blueberry cobbler and still be able to feel your best and not worry about like that kind of all or nothing mindset. So I have kind of a, a question for our, um, I know I work with a lot of healthcare professionals, you know, 12 hour shifts, 24 hour shifts, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I, I don't know what my day is going to be like in any given day or teachers, or there are a lot of professions where the daily schedule is grueling and can be very unpredictable. What are some good tips you have for those athletes of how they can set, the, set themselves up for success, even if their days are completely bonkers? <laughs> yeah. So this is where 
Yeah, like um, if you've heard the term like intuitive eating, like it's a really big trend of like listening to your body when it's hungry to fuel yourself and whatnot. And that's a great tactic. But I feel like for endurance athletes, we need to focus more on intentional fueling. So if you're a teacher, for example, and you get a very short window for lunch, you don't really have an opportunity to have much of a snack, maybe like midday when um, you have like a, a small break or like your kids are, you know, at gym class, like what can you have on hand that you can grab really quick and get in the nutrition that you need, but also on the, during the times of the day where you do have that opportunity, let's take advantage of that. Like it might just be like that pre-work meal. Um, and then bringing with things that you can just grab and consume really quickly to get in that nutrition throughout the day. Um, I know with some, um, people in particular, fluids are really hard to get in during the day. Like, especially if you work at a hospital and you have a long shift, it's like, okay, when you have those small moments, have something available to get that hydration in, um, can be just like those little habits throughout the day of just using those opportunities. Um, I have a, an athlete who for her, she will do like an eight or 12 hour shift. And with her profession is always 2 PM is like the snack time you know, between cases. And so she's like, well, I just had lunch at like 1230. So I'm not really that hungry for that 2 p.m. snack. I'm like, I want you to eat it anyways. I want you to intentionally eat that, eat that snack or already have something in advance planned out so that when you get to 536 o'clock and there's no snack time, you're not like about to eat your arm and then like hit up the drive through on your way home. Like that's where you have to be kind of intentional of like when there's an opportunity, take advantage of it. And so that by the time you get to the end of the day, you're not so behind that you're just playing catch up that evening. And it's really tough. As a millennial who grew up in the era of, I don't know how just to describe it as like we all just were starving ourselves all the time. (laughs) Black coffee. That's a meal, right? Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) I know that I have a really weird relationship with um, hunger and fullness cues, which is something that I've done a lot of work on in the recent years. But I also know this is something that's very common in that like let's get, let's talk about our prototypical athlete who is, you know, having a little snack, doing a, doing their morning run, having a, they're eating breakfast, but it's, it's small, it's not sufficient. And then they're hungry. Like, let's say they get up at five, go for a run, they eat breakfast at eight. And by like 1030, they're like, oh my God, I'm hungry again. Sometimes for me in that situation, I would think I'm hungry again. Like, but I ate something. Why am I hungry? There's something wrong. Like, how dare you be hungry? Shut up. You're fine. (laughs) As opposed to now the curious is like, why am I hungry? You know, what is bringing this on? But those, I mean, irrespective of the whole like intuitive eating for athletes should be more like intentional eating. I think we have to acknowledge that Um, the way that we, some of us respond to receiving cues of hunger or fullness is not like normal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting about hunger with endurance athletes because sometimes when we've seen athletes that have gone so long with restricting and like being in that kind of diet culture mindset, is their hunger cues and their hunger hormones get a little deregulated and that's something where we need to kind of fix where we get into this regular schedule of fueling and fueling enough. And it, 
And oftentimes I may even give them a little heads up on the case. You might notice in the next week or two that you're going to start getting more hungry. You're going to wake up actually really hungry when usually you'd wake up and you're not hungry at all. Um, So that's something that's kind of interesting is once we start like feeling better and optimizing that nutrition, um, your hunger does become more regulated, which is actually a good thing. Um, But then there's also times where it just feels like you're constantly battling your appetite, where you're just always hungry. And so that's where I would look at um, protein would be one for sure, making sure they're getting enough protein consistently throughout the day, not just like one massive like protein bomb at, you know, one or two times during the day, like that consistent supply can be really uh, appropriate. Um, And the other thing would be like, if it's you know, 1130 and you're starting to get really hungry, it's kind of almost lunchtime. So that's a good thing to feel hunger because then you're going to want to eat your lunch. It's going to taste better because you're hungry. And so um, being okay with like feeling hungry at the appropriate times is okay too. Or like you, we talk about the mid-morning hunger, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a thing. So it's like if it's 10 o'clock and you're starting to feel a little hunger pain, you're like, okay, yeah, I need to have a snack because I'm not going to have an opening in my schedule until 1230 to eat. And I'm going to be absolutely starving at that point. Let's have a planned intentional snack here to hold me over until lunch. And think of a snack as like an opportunity to get in the nutrition that you need. Like, what are the things I need in my day? Well, I need to get some protein. I need to get some fruits and vegetables in. This is an opportunity for me to sneak those in. So if I maybe don't get enough at a meal, I know that I'm covered just for my snack. So thinking of it in a more positive way can also be really helpful for your relationship with food. And lastly, thinking about, you know, nutrition throughout the day for our athletes who are working out twice in one day, maybe you're doing, you know, double Mm -hmm. runs or you're doing, you know, you're uh, running in the morning and you're lifting at night, or maybe you're doing two different sports, swimming and biking or whatever it is, but in separate workouts, how should we approach those days? And how is that different from a day where we're only doing one session? Yeah. Well, I feel like for endurance athletes, any time that you are eating outside of fueling around your workout, is an opportunity to support your recovery, right? Like with the volume of training that a lot of runners do, um, and even with two-a-days, like you have to think of any snack or meal as your opportunity to provide your body with what it needs to recover really efficiently and effectively. And that's where I find that um, we tend to see really big, uh, good performance gains. Like athletes are like, oh, I'm like, that, you, that, that uh, easy run for me, I was like, wait, like, you know, it really did feel easy. Or like that workout that I usually can barely finish, I actually was able to finish it like really well. And so like those, that recovery nutrition, I think is um, something that is a really important priority. So when you have a two a day recovery nutrition is even more important because you need to recover from that first workout and then start preparing for the next workout. So especially if it's like a morning and then an evening run. So you think of like, okay, I'm gonna fuel this morning run really well. I'm gonna start my recovery right afterwards with a post-workout fueling. And then I'm gonna consistently make sure that every three to four hours, I'm gonna be taking in some fuel to efficiently supply that nutrition and recover as quickly as possible so that I'm ready to go for the evening. And then you can start prepping with reloading glycogen levels, helping your body repair the, you know, the muscles, 
and getting ready for that evening. If you're doing like a back-to-back workout where you're doing like a, uh, a run and then a strength workout, I would plan to have some nutrition between those two to just help supply some energy, some fresh energy. So that second workout is going to feel really strong. And then rest of the day, recovery nutrition is top priority. But coming back to all of this, right? I think the the biggest thing is that this can kids can feel like a lot of stuff to sort through. Yeah. But I've also heard you bring up some very like simple actionable tips, right? About like just hey, aim for meals, be flexible, be intentional, add when you can. It sounds like also experiment with what works for you. And also the biggest thing is like keep track of how you're feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, we talked about so many different things today. I want people to like, obviously take notes on like where they're feeling like they have areas of improvement in their nutrition and then pick like one to work on, get really good at that. And then start the next one, like make this not an overwhelming process and feeling like you have to fix everything all at once. Because when you start to try and fix everything all at once, it's going to feel so overwhelming. And as humans, we hate change. It's like human nature to resist change. So if we can make the change as seamless and minimal as possible, you're going to be so much more successful. So hone in on just one thing, work on that, and then start on the next thing. And then the next thing. And then over time, you're going to get to a point where you're like, man, I am nailing all of these things. But it never got to the point where it felt like it was so much work and it wasn't doable. I mean, I think we all get a little overzealous about like, I'm going to commit to all the things, right? (laughs) So an example of focusing on one thing, like I'm thinking that could be um, eat three, three full meals every day. It could just be, it could just be breakfast, (laughs) add, add um, a piece of toast to your coffee in the morning. It could be as simple as that, right? Like it could be, I don't have any breakfast in the morning. Let's just start with a yogurt cup and a piece of toast. You know, something really basic, a banana and a yogurt cup, like as doable as possible so that you get that win. And then those, and doing those little things consistently over time are going to make way bigger impact on your health, your performance, your body composition than trying to do all of it at once and only doing it for like two weeks. I love it. Okay. So like even more, like pick one, one very small, actionable, simple thing. Yep. And it could be two. It could be, I'm going to drink a little more water and I'm going to have a little bit more breakfast. It could be as simple as that. And then just start building off of that. The biggest thing that I find helps for me is having these things available, right? Like have the water bottle on your desk, buy a fun water bottle if you don't have one or, you know, whatever it is, like have yogurt in your fridge so that when you open the fridge and your goal is to have something for breakfast, Hey, look, yogurt right there. Yeah. yeah. I, I have snacks in my car. I have snacks in my purse. I have like liquid IV packets in every pocket, yes. like those little things. So it's just like, ah, you removing barriers to access. Yeah. I had a triathlete who would make the most beautiful meals, But her problem was, is that she was not in a good routine of actually like going grocery shopping. So that was like the number one biggest change for her was just getting on a schedule of grocery shopping. And then after that, the nutrition piece was easy because she had it available in her house when she worked from home. And um, one of the best things that I feel like has come out of the COVID era is that more and more groceries have like grocery pickup or delivery. 
I mean, I'm a Midwest gal. I like, I'm not a bougie person, but I just feel like the bougiest thing that I do in my life now is that I get my groceries delivered once a week from Walmart. Like truly (laughs) the biggest game changer as a busy mom is just like having them show up at my doorstep is so worth the tip to the driver to drop that off. And that like, it's like 50 bucks for a year for, for uh, free delivery. I mean, just the, just taking that extra step out of my routine of the week of going to the store and shopping has been a huge game changer. So like looking for those little convenience things that you can do to have that stuff available in your house to make it happen. I love it. Functional. Focus on functional. (laughs) Over optimal. Like, yes, we always can get better, but let's first focus on what works. Alex, if somebody's listening to this episode going, I think I need more help than this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is a piece of accountability that people often require or just like, I can't work on this on my own. I need someone to come in and look at my life for me and help me navigate this. Yes, that is what... I do what many sports dietitians do is, is helping with this. So if somebody did want to follow you to learn more about the education you provide, but also potentially want to work with you directly, how could they do that? Yeah. So I would say on social media, Instagram is definitely number one where I spend most of my time. And then Facebook. Um, so at Alex Larson nutrition is where you can find me on social channels. And then my website is at Alex and you can, uh, there's a contact page on there. It's got all of my services. And um, I try to offer a variety of different options for people just to support them and their goals of being well-fueled in their sport. And I know today we focus mostly on the stuff you eat when you're not actively sweating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously in your work, you also, in a, a whole other topic would be fueling in your training. Yeah. Um, but that is something that obviously you do. Uh, yeah is yep. helping in fueling, in run, race in strategies, race hydration, electrolytes, carb loading, all of that jazz. But for a lot of people, the everyday nutrition is the biggest hurdle for them. And I get that. Like it really is tough to, to make that work. And so, and then navigating both sides of those buckets of like fueling around your workouts and the day to day. And once we can get those hashed out, like, Oh, people just, they're like a whole different person. And it's so fun to see. You feel like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.